With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, December 3rd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. We'll chat college football week 14, NFL week 13 here on today's show. Run through a bunch of games, game breakdowns, thoughts, angles, stats, trends, all that good stuff here on today's show. You can find a lot of that great information over at ATS.io as well. We've got picks and predictions and previews across college basketball, college football, and the NFL. You can find a lot more stats from the database that's in the ATS app, which you can download in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or head over to ATS.io on your mobile device. Look at the ATS app page. Then click the buttons to download, whether you have an iOS or an Android device. That's going to be the easiest way to find the ATS app. Or you can search against the spread in the Play Store or in the Apple Store and find those there. Some great promotions this week across the industry. Bet $1, win $100 for a three-pointer made in any college basketball game. A new user offer over at BetMGM Sportsbook. And then also one for this weekend in the NFL Bet a dollar, win $100 for any touchdown on Sunday. Sign up through ATS.io. Take advantage of those two offers. Make sure you look for updated sportsbook promotions all the time over at the website as we're covering a lot of different angles with those. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? Going well. Good to hear your voice on this fine Thursday. Yeah, good to chat with you as well, man. It's always a good time here, and uh, I'm sure we'll use the show for some sort of therapy as we go throughout here on today's program because we pretty much always do when it comes to college football and the NFL. But, uh, you know, look, at, at this time of the year, we're usually looking at the end of the college football regular season, conference championship games, all those types of things. Not seeing that here this week because of the delayed start to the regular season. So now we're in the month of December, and we're still talking regular season. Yeah, I mean, normally this would be conference championship week. We'd be down to, you know, maybe 10 games this week and then Army-Navy next week, and then we'd be talking bowl games. But, uh, you know, since we did start the the season late and there's been obviously a lot of cancellations, you know, it's good to have, uh, you know, two, three weeks left here of uh, the regular season. Then uh, no weeks off as far as you get, you know, hot and heavy right into bowl action. So it's going to be a pretty frantic next, you know, four weeks here at counting bowl games and the end of the regular season yeah it definitely is and I mean this is you know really next week is the time we start talking about bowl games and motivation and you know that big long lead up prior to the bowl game and like you said we won't have any of that this year so the bowl games will be a much different handicap than they traditionally are and I'm definitely looking forward to talking about some of those here with you as we go throughout the month but speaking of bowl games and, and more importantly the college football playoff here the college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday, uh, the first set of those, and a lot of questions, of course, regarding you know what happens if teams don't play enough games and all this type of thing. But you know, in terms of those rankings coming out on Tuesday, and, and really just rankings in general, Brad, 
Do you see them have an impact in terms of, you know, line movement and perception in the betting markets? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, maybe a little bit, uh, but, but I, I don't think it's something significant where I've, I'm like, wow, uh, you know, that team's very highly ranked in, in the college football playoff committee rankings. And now I'm seeing that them directly taking action in the marketplace. I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. Uh, but, but I mean, sometimes the narratives can, can affect it. And I don't have a real great example this year, but I, I mean, oftentimes, you know, the, the public narrative of maybe a team that, that that's overrated, even if it's the college football playoff committee rankings, sometimes might get a little bit of play. Uh, but I haven't taken advantage of anything now. I guess the, the big talking point is where BYU and Cincinnati should be placed if we're talking a Vegas power rating. And the reality is I think that it's somewhere in the middle between where Cincinnati's ranked right now in the college football playoff and where BYU's ranked. I, I have both teams right in between those two gaps. Well, in an angle that I usually like to either play on or against, depending on how much inflation is put into the number, you know, we usually at this time of the, well, I guess more like last week and the week prior, you know, deep into the college football season, you've got teams trying to get bowl eligible, trying to get that yeah. sixth win, trying to get that seventh win. If they have to, you know, you've got different bowl tie-ins by conference and stuff like that. And, yeah, that's something that admittedly I haven't even taken a look at here so far. I know we've already lost, I think, 10 bowl games that have been canceled, something like that, nine or 10. So I don't really know how the bowl picture is going to shake out, but that has been an angle that I've either played on or against. Like I said, depending on the price inflation for that perceived yep. must win game to get six wins. Uh, I don't know if that'll be a thing here this year to the same degree that it usually is. It won't be uh, because the NCAA came out and said pretty much uh, you can, uh, the, the, the minimum qualifications for getting a ball, you can pretty much throw them out the window. So we'll probably see some losing teams, uh, depending on how many bowl games to actually get played, M- might have a couple of losing teams playing bowl games this year because that, that threshold, you know, minimum six wins type of thing, that, that kind of got thrown out the, the, the window this year. So I don't think it's going to be that in important of a factor you know price inflation on those teams trying to get there uh where i do think it'll be similar is uh and you can use the last couple weeks here the regular season similar to how you handicap some early bowl games is i think motivation now will become an issue do the teams really want to finish strong to the end of the season or are they just playing it out similar to a bowl game do you really want to be here or you just would rather move on to, to next season that that's one thing that I think will be similar. It won't be a bowl game, but it'll be these last couple of weeks of the regular season. Well, and shying away from the gray area discussion of teams that have had COVID outbreaks, you know, whether they you know want to play some of these games or don't, whether they're, you know, making as much of an attempt as they can, or if, you know, they are just erring on the side of caution and everybody seems to have hot takes about that, both, you know, uh, people, just regular people on social media to those that actually have platforms on mainstream media, Taking the gray area out of it of teams that, you know, do have COVID concerns, are postponing games, stuff like that. Are there teams regularly playing right now that you feel like have kind of just mailed it in for the rest of the way? Haven't seen it directly yet, but I'm reading the tea leaves. I think it's Texas this week. I mean, when you had two team leaders opt out after what happened last week, Iowa State beat them and pretty much Texas's chances of making the big 12 championship game have gone out the window. You had a multiple year starting offensive tackle 
opt out, who's been a team leader, who's been a staple on that offensive line for several years for, for Texas. When I see stuff like that, uh, I mean, you got two weeks left and you're opting out. I just, to me, I think it's kind of a, you're opening up the door a little bit to the overall vibe in that locker room. And right now I, I, I don't see it for Texas. And we've seen that where Texas took early week money. We've seen nothing but Kansas state buy back here the last couple of weeks after those announcements by uh, the couple of those key players. And I think that's an excellent one to key in on because, you know, you also look at Kansas state as a team that and I've talked about this a couple of times, you know, I lost that Kansas state, Iowa state bet. I expected Kansas state money to come in two teams better in a dog role, low scoring expectations, so on and so forth. No money ever came in on Kansas state. They got blown out. Money came in against Kansas state last week against Baylor. They did cover the number, but it wasn't, you know, another uh, wasn't a very good performance again from the Wildcats. So the fact that Kansas state is taking money this week after not being held in very high regard, I think that's an excellent point. And I think it's something where even if you're not privy to the news, not privy to the information, if you've been following the betting markets here of late and you see a line move that maybe doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to you, I think it's probably a good idea to start digging a little more. Absolutely. And anytime I've seen, I mean, I'll use the example. I mean, I questioned it yesterday. We saw Coast Carolina take heavy money against Liberty. I'm like, what in the heck is going on here? Uh, I mean, I'm looking to bet Liberty and it's to play on teams. So I didn't expect much line movement because Coastal's been covering spreads left and right. Liberty's been, uh, you know, covering spreads left and right. So when, when you saw that line, that Coastal money coming in, you knew, yeah, something was up and it wasn't going to be good on the Liberty side. And, and that proved to be true. So any type of movement that doesn't necessarily make sense, doesn't look like it's a public play, overwhelming amount of that, or it doesn't look like it's, Hey, this is the the sharp team that's getting bet on week after week. And we're seeing more sharp money this week. Whenever you don't see that stay true and it's going against that opposite thought process, then, then it's either COVID or in, in my opinion, it's Texas's questionable motivation. So uh, you know, you maybe you can find value. Maybe you can win a bet with Texas this week. But I'll tell you this, I'm not laying seven right now with the Longhorns. Well, one last thing to talk about here, and then we'll get into some games, is that, you know, the coaching carousel is going to start firing up too. I mean, you know, we know that guys like Hugh Freeze and Billy Napier are, you know, pretty hot commodities right now. I wouldn't be shocked if Sean Lewis gets some interviews from Kent State. Um, you know, there are a lot of situations now where, some of these coaches at the group of five schools may be using them as springboards to get into better jobs. And we also probably have some power five coaches that are either on a very hot seat or it's probably been decided that they are going to get a pink slip. So that's a factor you may want to consider a little bit here at this point in the season too. You know, do these kids want to go and fight for a coach's job when it's on the line? Do these kids, you know, feel like a coach has their best interest in mind if they're maybe looking at upgrading jobs. So that's always going to be a factor too, especially because this year has had so many challenges of coaches trying to keep these kids in line, getting them to buy into the protocols, all that kind of thing. You know, some of these teams may just kind of abandon a coach here at this time of the year too. Yep. And uh, I think it'll, uh, we've seen it happen already in in some uh, circumstances, but uh, it'll really start showing itself this week and the next couple of weeks. The question I have is normally we have 20 to 25, maybe even upwards of almost 30, you know, coaching uh, vacancies, uh, turnover each year in college football. I'm not sure we're going to get there. It really depends on if you know, some of the the big shoes drop, like a Michigan maybe. And then you start seeing, you know, that they hire from another program, a head coach, and then it kind of has a ripple effect. 
I, if I had to say this year, I think we're going to be under 20 as far as head coaching uh, moves uh, th- this year. So I think it's going to be a below average year next year. I'll be, I, I I'll make a prediction right now. If you're about a hot takes, I think next year, if we have a below average co- coaching turnover this year, next year, we'll set a record for coaching changes. Cause whenever, because of budget reasons or, or whatever, you don't make that change this year. You will next year. No budget reasons. That's an excellent point. You know, I, I think back to South Carolina and how, I think for the long-term health of the program, letting Muschamp go was probably a good idea, but they also had a substantial buyout cost on him. And these, these agents for these coaches do a phenomenal job with this. But as you said, this is probably the type of year where you don't want to pay someone to yep. not coach for you. So that's an excellent point. And that may be something that you know we'll have to factor into the equation going into next season, where some of these teams may either have a dead man walking head coach that starts the year for them, or, you know, we would have expected some kind of turnover and we don't get it, that will have an impact. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's subjective more than anything, but it will have an impact in my starting power ratings for next year. You can believe that. Absolutely. All right. So let's take a look at some games here for week 14. And uh, we haven't talked at all about the Thursday night games yet on the show. And that'd be a very quick turnaround for our day of listeners. But La Tech and North Texas, the line is at least competitive, flipping between plus or minus one, depending on where you look. Air Force laying 11 and a half against Utah State. Any uh, any pizza money bets? Any interest in these two games from you tonight? Yeah, I made a bet on North Texas. Again, I would love to, to be able plus to three give and up. Half? Plus four and a half. Can you okay. believe that? You uh, I made that. <laughs> I made that bet on Sunday. Again, would love to give that out. Would be a better overall world for me if I could give something like that out. I totally agree with the move. Uh, Louisiana Tech hasn't played since Halloween, and I think that opening number would have failed to grasp is not only that, but also their top wide receiver opted out. Their second best running back who came into the season, their their top running back, Justin Henderson for Louisiana Tech, he opted out as well. Uh, North Texas, I agree with the money there. Would still lean pizza bet North Texas. And then you're not going to like this one, but I'll, I'll pizza bet Utah State. I think the market was way too down on them. There was no reason why New Mexico was laying a touchdown at Utah State last Thanksgiving. You look at uh, Peasley came in, gave him a run threat. He ran for over 100 yards for him last week. Uh, I, I think he'll keep them competitive. Uh, I made the number 10, so another pizza bet on Utah State. Well, Utah State seven and a half yards per play last week. So, I mean, you know, yep. pretty good offensive showing. Finally made a change that seemed to work, seemed to take hold a little bit. Uh, North Texas, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to play it now with the line move that we've seen in that game. But that being said, I have North Texas minus three here. So there you that go. is one that I did play early in the week. Got the, got the uh, three and a half on North Texas. And look, you know, North Texas, they've got a mobile quarterback. And the last thing you want when you haven't been able to play haven't been able to hit anybody other than each other is a mobile quarterback that can improvise, get you lost in space, all of that. I I think North Texas could legitimately win this game in blowout fashion. So even if you didn't get North Texas as a dog, and again, it's, it's rare to want to talk about this with a line move of this magnitude. Mm. Uh, Like you, I think North Texas is, is definitely the play here. That's an excellent point. Uh, Normally I would be totally frozen about not getting the best of the number, but I think this is one, at least the possibility is there for there to be some high variance. So, uh, and maybe Louisiana Tech, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Skip Holtz is a good coach. He's got a good culture, good program there. But th- there is a, a decent chance that 
uh, <laughs> it's waved the white flag. And when you, a couple of your best players have opted out again, I think that's at least a peek into the overall vibe of that locker room. So I, I wouldn't, since we're dealing with, uh, you know, minus one, it's not necessarily a key number at this point. I, I wouldn't be afraid to, to at least make a bet if, if that's the side you're looking to bet today. And again, I mean, La Tech hasn't played in over a month, as you said. I mean, you know, you sort of wonder about the state of them, kind of where their game is at, those types of things. And they also don't have another game scheduled, to my knowledge. So, you know, do they show up here? Is this sort of a, you know, does La Tech treat this as their bowl game? You know what, if they do, and they play well coming off of, what, basically five weeks of not playing? Yeah. Tip your cap. Good for you. But I think North Texas is very much the side here uh, in that one. And like you, I, I agree with that line coming down. Friday's game. Good one. Louisiana, Appalachian State, 327, 328 by rotation number. App State, eh, two and a half or three, depending on where you look. You can find some plus threes on Louisiana. You will pay extra juice for them. Total 51 and a half here for this one. Some weather expected uh, potentially for this game in Boone. What do you think, man? I mean, App State. This is a case of a team having another team's number. They've won eight in a row. They've won four of them in the last two years, won both Sunbelt championship games. Does Louisiana get their measure of revenge here? Tough. Uh, I don't think so. I, I you know, I, I, I would take three with you, Lafayette. I made it one and a half. If, if you're dealing with two and a half, I no bet for me. Uh, it, it's tough betting on Lafayette just because at the, the, they've both been the two best programs, at least over the last couple of years in the Sunbelt, and yet App State's, like you said, it has owned them. I need a three to, to, to lean with UL Lafayette uh, at two and a half. It's just a, a no bet for me. I have this one at state minus one and a half as well. So, you know, for me, lean to Louisiana. We talked about it on yesterday's show that I, I think that, you know, Louisiana is supremely motivated for this game. And I don't yep. know about App State because, again, they're not going to be in the conference championship game for the first time in, in basically forever. So, that's pretty surprising for them. And also, too, again, I, I just think that this is the weakest App State team we've seen in a while. And maybe they are vulnerable here this year. And, you know, it's tough because we talk all the time about performing up to the market expectation. And App State's been a terrible bet this year. They're, what, two and seven against the number, yeah, I think? Yep. But yep, also, two and seven. They've had a lot of big numbers they've been asked to cover. <laughs> yeah. And this is not a big number. So you got to apply some context here, too, I think. You do, and yeah, they're two and seven against the spread. And you're right; they're not as good as recent additions, but they've lost two games, both on the road, both uh, two really good teams in Marshall and Coastal Carolina. And if you dive into the box score on those games, it's not like the you know the the, the box score is better than than the final uh, than the final score on both of those games. So they, they were super competitive against Marshall and Coastal, both on the road. So. Uh, you know, they're not as good as, as recent additions, but they're still, in my opinion, one of the best group of five teams in the country. And and this is a case where, you know, three at maybe minus 15, something like that, you take the points. Otherwise, if you like Louisiana, I just play them on the money line. I, I, I think that it's, it's worth the gamble. So I, that may be, like I talked about yesterday's show, it's probably one I will end up adding. I don't know where the money comes in on this game. I don't know if this line comes down or not. I think there's a chance that it does, but, uh, you know, I think it's probably Louisiana money line or just, you know, maybe look to live bet the game, something like that. All right. So let's go to Saturday here and we'll start with the first game on the board, Georgia tech and NC state three thirty nine, three forty. 
Last week, I talked about I like Duke. I had Duke as a favorite against Georgia Tech, and uh, they did not play well. Turnovers yet again. Bunch of turnovers in that game overall, really. I think there were eight or nine, uh, which has been a hallmark for both Duke and Georgia Tech so far this season. What do you think about the line coming down a little bit on this one with NC State now pretty much six and a half and 60 across the board? Yeah, I mean, I bet Georgia Tech plus eight. So like that bet uh, would lean Georgia Tech. And here's why I just think NC State's a little overrated. They've been outgained on this season, despite being seven and three straight up. Uh, they just won a bunch of close games or four and one and one possession games. I like what I saw from Georgia Tech, who was off a significant you know, time off last week. They, they own the line of scrimmage. And to me, uh, I know there's some high variance with Georgia Tech this year because of the turnovers. But if you're controlling the line of scrimmage like they did against Duke last week, I think they'll be in decent shape here. So I lean uh, GT. Let me play devil's advocate for a second here yep. and, and say that, you know, yeah, NC State, okay, they've been outgained on the season, and, and that's not something that you want to see at all whatsoever. And it does suggest a certain measure of regression. On the other hand, Dave Doran can coach, man. And, and that's part of it, too, is that you, know, you do have these teams that will win a lot of close games, as you mentioned. And, you know, this is a six-and-a-half-point number where I can understand not feeling comfortable taking NC State minus the points. But also, I, I feel like you know, while we want to look down on NC State for that from a statistical standpoint, it also speaks to how good Doran is and how they usually have the better coach, you know, in a given game. So that's where the disagreement is. I think he's okay. I mean, obviously, he's got a good record at Northern Illinois and he's been okay here. But I think if you ask a lot of the NC State people who follow it, uh, closely. Uh, I know there's not a lot of people that religiously follow NC State football, but Doran leaves some things to be desired. I'll just put it that way. From the people that follow the program inside and out. That's fair. That's fair. And again, to play devil's advocate. But I think he's solid. And I mean, he is a solid coach. I mean, I just, I, I he probably gets a little too much credit. Uh, he's had some talent there. Keep in mind, remember those defensive linemen that he had? I mean, he had some yep. elite defensive linemen. And sometimes in games, they fell a little short of expectation. I'll put it that way. That, that, that hasn't, you know, rubbed the people at NC State the, always the right way. I don't remember, was it 2,000-yard receivers they had a couple of years ago or a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver, something like that? And, and, and that had, they lost four or five games. And that's what yeah, you rubbed people the wrong way. He's had some decent quarterbacks there, too. Yep. So, you know, I don't know. I Just kind of throwing it out there, you know, just sort of talking about some different angles here with some of these different games. And uh, what about 343, 344 here as we stay in the ACC? Clemson and Vatek, 21 and a half or 22, the number for this one, total 67. Big number for Clemson to be laying on the road here, but uh, Virginia Tech's been one of my biggest disappointments this season. Oh, they are. I mean, they're just a disappointing program. I mean, that's very, we talk about head coaches and programs making a change. I think in a normal year, Virginia Tech's making the change on Justin Fuente. I'm not sure what, with what's happening with, uh, with their budgets and whatnot for if they're going to make a change on him. I think they need to. Program's just not right at VT. Uh, it's their largest home underdog role since 1988 for Virginia Tech. I think that was the year before Frank Beamer got there. So that, that, that should show you something there. Uh, and yet I bet Clemson minus 21. I just, uh, if you watch Clemson play those first 20 minutes last week, uh, they against Pitt, let me tell you a pit team that crushed Virginia tech a couple weeks ago, shorthanded. Uh, I don't know how you can not bet Clemson here. I just, if they're motivated, this is a, this is a slaughter. 
Is, it was, is this a turning point for Clemson? You know, it was last week getting Lawrence back and, you know, coming off the Notre Dame loss where their defense got exposed a little bit. Did they just kind of hit the reset button and, and now they're ready to go on a run? Yeah, as long I mean, if they're healthy, you know, right now I think Alabama clearly is the best team in the country. But, you know, if Clemson's healthy and they're playing at their, their absolute best, I think they're right there with Alabama, maybe even better in my But, right, just the, they haven't been consistent. They haven't been healthy. But I'll tell you, it doesn't get much better than what you saw from Clemson when they led Pitt. I think Pitt's a, a solid team, uh, 31 nothing after one quarter. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, folks. Uh, and Clemson also several turnovers in that game that, that started to, you know, kind of shape that one a little bit early on. What about 355, 356 here, Ohio State, Michigan State? I don't know if this game will be played. I have absolutely no idea, but I know Ohio State's going to push as hard as they can to get this game played because they have no remaining margin for error. They have to play their last two games unless the Big Ten changes the rules. And, and quite frankly, they probably should to get Ohio State in the playoff and get that exposure for the conference. But if this game gets played, can you lay 23 and a half with Ohio State? I could. Uh, okay. th- th- there's probably there's too many question marks right now for me to jump in. But from a pure power ratings aspect, I got a, you know, 28. So I wouldn't, uh, I'm, I'm not afraid of Ohio State. I mean, obviously not having Ryan Day, who does call plays. He's part of the play calling process is a negative. And yet I, I, I just don't know who's going to be out for the Buckeyes. So that's why it's usually it'd be an automatic play wouldn't be, would be one of my favorite plays of the week, but because of those question marks, it's giving me pause, but I would still, I'd still lean Ohio state here. I I'm still not buying Michigan state's pulled a couple of big upsets, but I'm still not buying them right now. I have this one 29 and a half. And I think it speaks there to you what go, we, see? I think it speaks to what we talked about last week, where teams that have COVID, it feels like their power ratings just been adjusted a touchdown, you know, yeah. regardless of who actually has it, because we saw some mispricings last week. The UAB game got canceled, but you and I had big overlays on that. Miami of Ohio was an easy winner against Akron, where you and I both had big overlays. It feels like teams that get a game canceled due to COVID, it's like seven points get taken off of their power rating, whether it's warranted or not. And it does lead to some line value, I think, in that first game back if they're able to play. I'll tell you this, it's not warranted, unless it's the quarterback. I just, uh, I mean, unless it's the quarterback position, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, that that's completely compromised. I'll, uh, like Temple against East Carolina. Uh, uh, there, there's been oh, too much adjustment for COVID. Uh, and I was caught early in the season with it. I haven't been making those mistakes here recently. Let's just put it that way. Uh, as we talked about on yesterday's show, the Big Ten is just not a quality conference. So we'll skip over Nebraska, Purdue, and Penn State <laughs> Rutgers unless you have major takes on either one of those games. No. All right. I, but what conference is, though? I mean, everyone's yeah. like, oh, this conference sucks. This conference sucks. I mean, it's tough telling you how much, uh, you know, I think everyone is seeing, like, if you don't have non-conference games to inflate your record, you're seeing that there's a lot of parity, uh, you know, outside of the top three, four teams in the country. So everyone looks mediocre because they're just playing nothing but conference games. They, they didn't start the season three and one or four and oh, playing a bunch of cupcakes. No, that's fair. I mean, the, the reason I say that is because Wisconsin's pretty clearly the second best team in this conference, I would say. And they lost to a Northwestern team that's had under four yards per play offensively in two straight games. Good point. Good so, point. you know, I, I think turnovers. <laughs> In, in terms of the power five, I mean, the, the Big Ten is just not really doing itself much justice. But again, if they can put Ohio State in the playoff, 
you know, there's a lot of fighting. They have to do everything in their power to do that. I don't know why they don't get that through their head that Ohio State is so important to that conference. And that's the frustration for Ohio State, and it's deserving. I I mean, that's fine and dandy and all. Uh, I mean, and I don't want this to get political or whatnot, but Ohio State is playing a different game than everybody else in that conference. I mean, their goal is to win the national title. It's everybody else that's kind of dragging Ohio State down. I agree. And it, it amaz- And again, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I get it. But it amazes me when people get pissed off about this. Like, look, whether you love Ohio State or you hate Ohio State, you are watching Ohio State in a semifinal game because they've yep. got 10 guys that are going to get drafted to the NFL. You're what you know, whether you're watching it because you bet on it or you're watching it because you're a college football fan or you're an NFL fan who wants to see how Justin Fields looks, how you know, Wyatt Davis looks, how Sean Wade looks, how you know, Chris Olave looks, Garrett Wilson, when he comes out, you know, what he looks like, all that, you're watching the damn game. Like, Ohio State generates money for the NCAA, period. End of story. If they can put the Buckeyes in the playoff, they are going to do it every single year, and people might as well just get over it. Yep. Yeah, I just tweeted this out yesterday. The Buckeyes have played four games. Three of their national – I mean, keep in mind they had a Big Ten network game, but their their three nationally televised games – among the I think the the six or seven most watched games of the season yeah that's unbelievable and, and again they move, in fact they move they are the number one tv market team in college football right now people are going to say no it's Notre Dame no it's Alabama no it's Ohio State right now if you've been following it for the last five or six years and uh, I just the sad thing to me that gets at my crawl is I grew up in Big Ten country and it's just a sad state of affairs that the Michigans, the Michigan states, and the Nebraskas and all that of the world just have not risen to Ohio State's level. I mean, it's just a, the, I don't know. I'm a competitor. And you would think after a team is kicking your teeth down your throat for 10, 15 years, you'd want to get better. But nobody in that conference seems to care enough. No, I, that's fair. I think that's very, very fair. All right, so let's go to game 361-362 here, an odd non-conference game. We haven't seen many of these here uh, so far this year, at least not lately. Fort Atlantic and Georgia Southern, and I thought it was interesting to see Georgia Southern up to two and a half after firing their offensive coordinator. What do you make of, of everything going on with that game? Yeah, I think it's a fair number. Uh, I'm, probably lean, I, I'm looking to bet FAU at plus three. Uh, I just defensively, they, they've been really solid. I like Jim Levitt, their defensive coordinator. And, you know, I knew FAU would take a major step back this year, and they have. But with that being said, I have actually think, considering they were one of the least experienced teams in the country, brand new coaching staff that I wasn't really uh, fond of, Willie Taggart, but maybe FSU just had <laughs> way more issues than he could even handle. They've, they've been, they found a uh, freshman quarterback, Posey, that's been a revelation in the quarterback run game. I, I've liked what I've seen from FAU. Uh, Georgia Southern, I'm not downgrading their offense coordinator too much because the guy that they have replacing him has already been an offensive coordinator at Georgia Southern. He's very experienced. So uh, that, that, that's the reason why we haven't seen much movement. Here's why there should be movement to the FAU side. Georgia Southern was missing their top two running backs. Their quarterback, Shy Wirtz, is banged up, not 100%. If you're looking to bet FAU, bet it because of that. Do you think it gets to three? Mm. I'm not sure if it does. I, I think if it does, you get a media buyback on FAU. Keep in mind, market was very anti-Georgia Southern last week against Georgia State. We saw that was a big line move. I think the reason this is sitting here, if you remember, I remember because I thought I was going to have one of my easiest wins of the year. We saw huge Georgia Southern money on this game when it was originally scheduled 
back in September. Uh, and I thought I was going to have an easy winner. Uh, and so maybe there's still that m- muscle memory to that. Maybe, maybe there isn't, maybe I just made that up, but I'm telling you, I had a bet on Georgia Southern against FAU huge, significant line movement in that one. And yet the game got canceled. Four Mac games in a row on the board, Bowling Green, Akron, Akron minus two and a half or three, depending on where you look A cheap three at that 57, the total central Michigan minus one against ball state 62, the total for that one. Buffalo laying double digits at Ohio, Ohio double digit dog for the first time since the 2016 Mac championship game, total 58 and a half there. And then Western against Eastern Western laying 13 and a half with signs of that line going up to 14. Anything from that Mac quartet that you're looking at here this weekend? Uh, you, you, you left out Akron Bowling Green. Oh, I didn't, <laughs> no, I didn't, kidding. I didn't leave it the, out. I glossed the, over it. The, the quintet, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll rapid fire. Cause I, I do this. Well, we'll start though at the bottom of that uh, rotation, uh, lean Eastern Michigan for me. They're the best road underdog team in the country, but I, I'll wait for maybe a 14 there. So lean Eastern Michigan, Buffalo, after getting disrespected in the market last week, I couldn't believe they were only laying seven at certain points in the week against Kent State. Now I think they're being overvalued because everyone saw them you know, score 70 points and then everybody saw Jared Patterson go off for 400 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. I actually like Ohio in that game. It's their largest home underdog role since 2005. Uh, the, the, the Kent State-Miami game obviously was canceled. Ball State-Central Michigan, uh, I like Ball State. And to me, it just comes down to the final five minutes of what happened in both of their games last week. Ball State was leading Toledo 27-9, gave up a couple of late touchdowns and made that store, uh, score respectable. Central Michigan scored 17 points in the final five minutes to not only win, but cover against Eastern Michigan. It was a horrible beat if you're back in Eastern Michigan last week. And on top of it, Central Michigan's down to a third-string quarterback. I like the Cardinals there. That, that would be my favorite play of the bunch. What about Bowling Green Akron? You know, you left it out. Don't give me shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, no bet. <laughs> what, are, what are we, what are you seeing? Three and, you know. Uh, I, I'm seeing the worst college football game ever played. No, I think it was Akron UMass last year, but this is, this is close. I made the line three and 57. So I'll lay two and a half with Akron lean. Oh God. Imagine Akron being favored against anybody. It's got, it's got to be Bowling Green or UMass. That's about it. Uh, that's it. Ugh, no Maybe way. you all Monroe. That's it. No, that's no question about it. These are two of the four worst teams in the country. Eh, go zips. I know you're, you're a BG guy. I'm an Akron guy. So. Yeah. No bet, man. I don't want to bet it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. This could be like a dinner bet at like, I don't know, some greasy spoon kind of place for us. Just some place where we, we, <laughs> fe- nah. we feel as bad about eating the food as we do about giving a shit about the game. That's kind of, yeah, kind of what I, I feel just... about that one. All right, we'll move on from that. What about uh, in a normal year we can we can bet our alma maters? I don't feel like doing it this year. Next no, year, let's bet it. I don't either. It's, it's the twenty twenty of college football games. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about Florida? Seventeen and a half at Tennessee. Total sixty two and a half. Big old number here for the Gators. Yeah, too much, man. I made it fourteen, so I like Tennessee. Uh, Gators, I mean, if you look at their points for the last couple of weeks, I think they've been inflated. They didn't cover against Vanderbilt. They really struggled. I mean, they kind of pushed against Kentucky, depending on where you got that number, and basically a push on the close as a big favorite. I think they're being overvalued in the marketplace, maybe because you got Trask as one of the Heisman favorites. People love betting offense. 
I know people are down on Tennessee because they lost five straight. They failed to cover five straight. And you do that's another thing you see this time of year in the final couple of weeks of the season. Anybody that's got a streak going, people are just, you know, flooding to fade or bet on that streak. Maybe we're seeing a little bit of that, but Tennessee should have covered against Auburn. You had a hundred yard interception return. Otherwise that's a, a very competitive one score game there. So I, I 17 and a half, I, I get, give me volunteers. That's probably one of my top 10 sides in the, uh, of the weekend. I, man, I don't think I can take Tennessee. I give you credit for that. I understand you got a little bit of a power ratings disparity there, man. They look bad and they look really bad on offense. And, you know, if you get into an arms race and this total is going up a little bit, then the expectation here is that Florida is going to score. So seeing the team mm, up and that line go up, a little bit concerning. But I also think, too, you're on the right track about Florida being a little bit overvalued, I think, at this point in time. And I'm, I'll be very curious to see what happens, you know, assuming they run into Alabama, they don't trip up prior to that Alabama game, what that yep. number looks like. Because we're desperate for teams that stand out. And Florida stands out. I mean, defensively, they have their issues. They've played a couple of really good defensive games in big spots, namely the Georgia game. Offensively, we know they're very good, but people are just dying for a top five team to emerge that isn't one of the obvious ones of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. So I think people are just sort of willing Florida to have such a high <laughs> you know, expectation and perception in the market. Anxious to see what that number comes out at. Uh, I'm hoping Alabama's cheap because I will bet the Crimson Tide. Uh, I made it 13 right now, so... Uh, I mean, they hoping score. I get like a 10 or something. They, 14, they, I'll back off because Florida's obviously capable of scoring. But, you know, I, I made it 13. So even though we're going to have a couple of top five teams, uh, that should be a pretty big point spread, in my opinion. I mean, there's no way Alabama scores under 40, right? Yeah, I wonder what the total is. It's probably going to be the yeah. highest total in the history of the SEC championship game. Uh, it's going to be in the 70s. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. All right, we're going to do a couple of Pac-12 games here. We'll do the second one for a highlight video just because the first one here, 379, 380, Oregon State and Utah. We have had a bit of a market move from where Brad bet this game earlier on in the week. Utah, 11 or 11 and a half, predominantly 11 and a half out there now. Total 51 and a half to 52 for this game. And you do have a pretty strong opinion on this one. I like Utah. I like matchup. I like the spot. Uh, and here's why. And, you know, do I have a big power ratings overlay? No, I don't. So this is where the other factors of a handicap come into play. Let's talk about the spot. Oregon State's off a big outright upset over their arch rival, Oregon. If you saw the way they celebrated, not only on the field, but in the locker room, that was their Super Bowl. Kudos for Oregon State. Biggest win for them in years. But I'm going to fade them off of that, uh, off that big win, and I'm going to play on a Utah team that's 0 and 2. Okay, they don't they don't look great, except if you dive into the box scores uh, of the USC and, and Washington game, two teams that are clearly superior to Oregon State. Utah had turnovers; they were rusty against USC. They're playing their first game of the season. They were the last team to play, as far as a Power Five team to play a game this year. They had five turnovers. Otherwise, you know, that's much more competitive. Last week, they blew a 21-point lead, somehow lost on the road in, in Seattle. I mean, I'll give them a little bit of a pass there. And again, turnovers have been the issue for them. One thing that they do do well, like they do each and every year, is stop the run. And here's the matchup. Jefferson for Oregon State is one of the best, I would say, undervalued running back in the country. You probably don't know his name because East Coast bias and whatnot. Very good running back for Oregon State. Problem is, 
Utah's, and that's going to be the game plan to shut, shut him down. And Utah's very capable. They're giving up less than 100 rushing yards per game this year. And I'm very confident with that defensive front. And Oregon State likely is going to have a backup quarterback making his first career start on the road in altitude. Doesn't bode well for Oregon State this week. Even though my power ratings say the lines should be about where it is here, because of the situation, because of the handicap in the matchup, love the Utes, man. Even though I got him at nine and a half, I, I'd still make a bet at 11. I can't argue with anything you said there. Kyle Whittingham, definitely a coach that everybody universally respects. And Jonathan Smith's done a phenomenal job at Oregon State, oh, yeah. too. But one thing that is worth mentioning here, and this is something that you know kind of leaks across college football to a degree this week, is that usually you play that rivalry game, and then that's it. You go to a bowl game or you don't. This is the first time since 2013 that Oregon State has played a game after playing Oregon. So last mm. time they were in a bowl game, they beat Boise State for what it's worth. But it's not like they had to play the week immediately after, and certainly not the week after an upset win. So I think I could definitely see where you're coming from there with a tough spot here for the Beavers. Let's do a highlight video on the next game on the card here. Game 381-382, Colorado and Arizona. Colorado minus 7.5. Total 59. I'm host Adam Burke, joined by pro better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, you got a strong opinion here on this Colorado versus Arizona matchup. I like Colorado. It's another one where, you know, my power ratings aren't saying, hey, great value pick here uh, on the bus because of some uncertainty. And it all depends on what happens at quarterback for Arizona. I like it no matter what happens, whether it's Grant Gunnell, who's the normal starter for, for Arizona. He had a joint uh, shoulder uh, joint injury and reading the tea leaves. I don't think he's going to play. I mean, that's number one reason why I think there's great value here, but even if it does, it's his throwing shoulder. So he's going to be far less than hundred percent. If he doesn't play, Will Plummer, the backup quarterback for Arizona was lost and deservedly. So he's a freshman playing at UCLA. Uh, just you know, it looked like a significant downgrade, and I don't think he gets better after one week. And most importantly, why I like Colorado here, how can you not like what you've seen from Colorado so far this season? They're three and zero. I think they're the, one of the biggest surprises in all of college football. Not getting the love because they're in the Pac-12. They started late, but they've beaten three solid teams. UCLA is better than expected. Colorado beat them. All right, Stanford's not that great, but still, that's a big time road win. At Stanford, a game that they dominated more than the final. And then last week, really controlled San Diego State, limited the Aztecs to 150 yards. What's the weaknesses for Colorado, this Colorado team? They're solid at quarterback. They got a running back that's had the three 100-yard games. Their defense looked certainly capable uh, in the last couple of games. I just think it's a, it's a really good team laying, you know, a number. Uh, they've beaten three teams that are all way better than Arizona, and we're laying a decent number here. Give me the boss. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there on this one. And, and again, you know, we had questions about Carl Durrell coming into the year, but big time questions. It's only been three games, but a lot of those questions seem to be answered. And, and one of the big things is Colorado looks invested. They look engaged. Yep. They look ready to play for Carl Durrell. If there's one thing we can say about Arizona, they're not ready to play for Kevin Sumlin. This has been a disastrous hire for Arizona. Someone has done a very poor job. Uh, you know, Khalil Tate regressed on his watch. They've regressed in all facets of the game, basically. And this is, as we talked about at the top of the show, this is the time of the year when you start wondering about teams and if they're going to go to bat for their coaches. I don't know if someone necessarily gets fired here, but what I do know is that it's not working. I don't see Arizona, a team that had a very low expectation coming into the year anyway, 
being all that engaged in their remaining games. I, I don't either. They looked engaged against SC, came up short, uh, and then got absolutely hammered against Washington. But, you know, in the fourth quarter, they put up a bunch of garbage yards and points. Still didn't cover the spread there. And then last week, uh, I mean, you know, you know, with the backup quarterback, that didn't cover the spread against UCLA. I mean, they're on there. They have the longest losing streak right now in the history of Arizona football. This is one to be a slam dunk. If we're in a normal season, get rid of Sumlin. He's fired. He's done. You got to get rid of him. You got to make a change. I'm not sure. I think it's 50-50 whether they keep him or not. But, but what's not 50-50, you're right. The players just don't seem to, to play hard for him. It, I mean, it hasn't happened for multiple years now, and it's not going to happen in the future. So there you go. A highlight video on this Colorado versus Arizona matchup on ATS radio. Make sure you subscribe to our ATS YouTube page and also subscribe to the full editions of the podcast, which you can find wherever you stream and download your podcast content. I'll take a little bit of a break before we do another highlight video here further down the board for Texas A&M and Auburn. But uh, between there in terms of rotation order, you've got Oklahoma State TCU. That's a line that's kind of bounced around a little bit. We did a highlight video for West Virginia and Iowa State on yesterday's show. Uh, you got Baylor getting a big number against Oklahoma. Any of those games kind of stand out to you in any way? Uh, I'm really intrigued at the the, the Iowa State game uh, just because, you know, we haven't seen West Virginia in, in, in a while. Uh, their, their game against Oklahoma was canceled, but it's a team that, you know, I fully understand why they're taking money in the marketplace. Uh, they're solid in a bunch of areas, and we'll see. Iowa State, you know, when you want to talk about five-star culture, that was the comment after the Texas game. How do you handle business after a big win that basically locked up the Big 12 championship game? I'm not sure. I think that, that's a major question mark. So, lean West Virginia there. Uh, the, you, did you touch on Oklahoma State TCU? Uh, uh, mentioned it briefly, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I like Oklahoma State. Uh, TCU had 40 guys out due to COVID last week, but guess what? They crushed Kansas, so it's kind of masking the issues that they had because they played the worst team in the Power Five by far in Kansas. So that one, to me, is the mispricing there. And TCU scored three non-offensive touchdowns against Kansas. So otherwise, that's not a big blowout. So I, I do like Oklahoma State. Yeah, man, I, I, I've talked about this a few times now throughout the season on the show. I've been chasing a, an accurate number for Oklahoma State all year long. I just what's early your number on, here? Early on, they played so well. You know, they looked so good on defense. They played so well in the running game. Then they then everyone realized, hey, they can't throw the football forward. So they started flooding the box. Oklahoma State couldn't adjust. Had some guys hurt. All those kinds of things. A very very strange season for Oklahoma State. My number is Oklahoma State minus two. So I'm finally right on a number. I do think I'm a little bit lower in the market on TCU. I just don't think TCU is very good. Their defense has regressed. Their offense is all about Max Duggan, and that's pretty much it. I don't know if they need a change from Gary Patterson, who I think is a very, very good head coach and an exceptional defensive coordinator if he gets back in that role at any time. But I don't know. TCU feels like they've kind of stagnated. Couldn't have said it better myself. They're not going to make a change. Gary Patterson's a Hall of Famer. He's the best coach in the history of school. But that being said, last five years have left a lot to be desired. And the game kind of, I think, in my opinion, has passed Patterson by a little bit. I mean, I tweeted this out in the offseason. He's focused on making country music songs. I mean, he needs to focus on covering some point spreads. In the last five years, TCU is one of the worst teams in the country against the spread. Arizona, I think UCLA are the other two. Those are the three worst teams covering numbers last five years at the Power 5 level. And they've been horrible at home. They're like 8-20 and against the spread at home the last five years. So no home field advantage. 
Patterson, the game's kind of passed him by, and they got a shorthanded team. So uh, that's Oklahoma State's a good bet and one of my top plays of the week. Is Patterson's music any good? I'll send you the link to the song. Uh, do you you like country? Yeah, you oh, do a little yeah, bit. You like country, that? You don't yeah. like pop country. You like some of that in the weeds stuff. That that off. Uh, outlaw country. Outlaw country. Yeah. Te- Texas country, which I I don't know, maybe Patterson is, but I doubt it. You won't like it. It's okay. it, it was not good. All right, fair enough. Um, it, it's got to be better than uh, MLB umpire cowboy Joe West, though. I, I've heard that. I have not, it's, it's I have not, not heard good. that. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll have uh, we'll have a, a version of dueling banjos on the show next week with Joe West's music and then also Gary Patterson's music. All right, let's go ahead and do a highlight video here. Four game, four eleven, four twelve. Texas A and M at Auburn. One way runaway money here early in the week on this game. I'm host Adam Burke, joined by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com. And Brad, this one was a runaway train on Texas A&M all the way up to seven early in the week as a road favorite against Auburn. But we're starting to see some mild signs of buyback on Auburn in the marketplace. I like Auburn. Uh, We've seen runaway money on A&M the last couple of weeks. Uh, didn't work out so great last week against LSU. I, that wasn't a good look for, for the Aggies, but l- let me first talk about Auburn here. Uh, every year, Gus Malzahn has a game where Auburn plays out of their mind and you, you, you're sitting there, you're wondering, wow, is this what Auburn could be? Usually it's against Alabama, but it's usually them stepping up in the home underdog role. You look at them the last five years as a home dog, they're six and one against the spread. They've won five of those games outright. They're covering by two touchdowns a game. And, yes, statistically, uh, they haven't been great. They've been very fortunate to win a bunch of games this year, Auburn. But to me, this is a step-up game for them. And I thought last week, even though they lost by 29 to Alabama, they moved the football. They got out game by less than 100 yards. That's very respectable against the Crimson Tide team that also beat A&M by four touchdowns this year. I think A&M's a top 10 team, and I got them in the top 10 of my power rings. But are you kidding me? I made the number three, so I agreed more with the opener. I, I just I can't get this A&M offense, which is maddeningly inconsistent. I can't lay seven points with them against Auburn. Uh, I, I like the Tigers, and not only that, but I think they could win the game outright. Everyone's talking. Uh, everything's a certainty. Oh, you know, it's going to be Notre Dame and Clemson. It's going to be Alabama. And, and, you know, maybe Florida can beat Alabama. Ohio State's in. Oh, you know, Texas A&M, they're, they're in great position. All of that's not going to play out perfectly. It never does. So everyone thinking that A&M's got a shot at the playoff, obviously they do. But things don't work out that way in college football. I think we're, we're, we're kind of due to, to have like a big upset. And I don't think this is going to be that big of an upset, but it will raise eyebrows nationally, you know, top five team going down. Yeah. I have this line three as well, interestingly enough. So you and I both with a pretty significant overlay on this game. And I've talked about this with Texas A&M throughout the season here on the show, much to the chagrin of some of the Aggie fans and, and some of the other betters that we have that listen to the show. I worry about Texas A&M when they play teams that are on a similar talent level as them. And we saw it last week against LSU. Kellen Mond was awful in that game. And I know that Texas A&M probably should have had the shutout, probably should have had the cover. But it was the first game where we saw their offense, you know, really struggle in the trenches. And Mond did not play well. This game kind of could set up the same way with an Auburn team that is clearly better than this year's version of the LSU Tigers. So yeah, they beat LSU by 35. Right. And I think that Auburn, you know, look, I mean, they still recruit at a very high level. They still have tons of talent. Are they the most consistent team in college football? No, 
Do I worry about Bo Nix turning the football over? Absolutely. But I think Texas A&M, who wants to run the football, I think they will struggle to do it here against Auburn. And if you have to put it in Kellen Mond's hands, I'm not asking Kellen Mond to cover a touchdown against a a decent Auburn team on the road here. And I know that obviously home field advantage watered down, so on and so forth. But this number's too big. And like we talked about earlier on in the show with Florida, when we talked about their game against Tennessee, people desperately want some sort of challenger to Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. And they've put Texas A&M up on that pedestal. And maybe they are that good. And maybe they cover this game and win this game comfortably. I'll pay to see it. I'm on Auburn plus seven here as well. So there you go. A consensus opinion from us on this Texas A&M and Auburn game coming up in week 14. Make sure you subscribe to our ATS YouTube page for our highlight videos. And also make sure you subscribe to the full editions of our ATS radio podcast. All right. So with that, uh, we covered a, a lot of the college football card here. I guess we might as well talk about BYU and Coastal. That came all the way down at the bottom of the board now. Uh, Coastal was supposed to play Liberty. Major COVID issues for the Flames. Now they play a BYU team coming to Conway, South Carolina. Interesting travel for BYU here, to say the least, to play on the teal turf. But uh, seeing pretty much BYU minus 10 across the board in the total in that 59.5 to 60 range. Really good number, I think. Uh, I made it 10.5, but you're right. Travel's kind of unique for BYU. I just, what I worry is at the end of the game, BYU with those 22 year old grown ass men, just leaning on that coastal Carolina defense. Uh, I I just, that's something coastal Carolina hasn't seen all year. So I I would lean BYU here. Maybe a little bit of lean towards the over too. Uh, I'll have to dive in more to the total, but uh, it's a good solid opening number. It's not something that I I saw immediately and, Oh, I got to fire up my circuit app and, you know, bet, bet BYU immediately. I think it's an interesting total because Coastal is a very methodical team. I mean, they're Mm. very good on offense, but they're pretty slow paced for the most part. They do a lot of pre-snap motion. It takes time off the play clock to do that. They're an efficient offense, so the clock is usually running because they've either had completions or, you know, run plays or something like that. That's what concerns me a little bit here is that, you know, is BYU going to be as explosive on offense as they have been uh, in a lot of their games here so far this season? I'm not sure. Then you also run into the fact that, you know, when did these two teams find out this game was a possibility? How much preparation have they been able to do in terms of film study and all of that? BYU gets, what, really a day of practice before they fly out to Myrtle Beach? So yep. I could see why that would be a case for taking the over. Again, you know, got to adapt, got to evolve, everything we've been trying to do here so far this year. Fascinating game. Not sure it's the greatest of betting games. Couldn't have said it better myself. Good game TV programs glad they got a schedule good for both for getting it done and being flexible but as far as high value pick nah see it no i don't think so either and uh run into a little bit of a technical issue here with today's show i had to kind of splice together some audio uh we somehow didn't got separated from each other here on the zoom call and all that so just want to throw that out there to our listeners that you know i might have to do a little bit of a rough edit uh, again trying to get this show out quickly because we do have some thoughts on the thursday college football games earlier on from that college football segment but right let's transition over to the nfl side of things where week 12 finally ended yesterday with baltimore covering against pittsburgh steelers winning outright uh not really a banner game from either team there in that one 
What are you thinking about this weekend in the NFL? Any uh, any games that kind of stand out, jump off the page to you a little bit? Yeah, nothing that really stood out to me. Like, you know, automatic fired, you know, I, I got to get down, uh, automatic value. I think the game that really stood out to me, Adam, was just, you know, comparing lines. I, I like doing that because the, the NFL to overreact league and curious to see was how to treat the New Orleans-Atlanta game two teams just played a couple weeks ago. I found it very surprising that the Saints, who were only laying three, uh, you know, <laughs> three and a half at home to, to, to the Falcons two weeks ago, and now they're laying three on the road to Atlanta. I get it, New Orleans easily covered and won that game a couple weeks ago, but both teams won in blowout fashion last week. I just, that one surprised me that we got basically the same line two weeks from, removed from a matchup, despite flipping from home, no way. Yeah, that was one that I isolated too. And I talked about that in the opening line report over at ATS.io this week where, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, what's, what's changed? Like I know New Orleans beat Atlanta, but I've talked about it already multiple times. I think the bye week is a detriment for a lot yep. of teams here this season. Atlanta was coming off the bye, looked flat, looked disengaged. Looked like they weren't sure what to expect from Taysom Hill. So, okay, kind of give him a pass for that one. Then they absolutely hammered the Raiders last week. And I know the Saints, you know, they, they took care of business against Denver. That's all you can ask. But come on, I mean, they're playing a, right, <laughs> the I, worst quarterback situation we've ever seen in the NFL, maybe. Right. So I mean, what what's changed in the last two weeks for these teams to have, you know, essentially a five-point adjustment on this game? Five, five and a half, even six-point adjustment, depending on the closing line that you cite. And I don't see it. And I'm worried I'm going to get two and a half in the circa now because it seems like Atlanta is the sharper of the sides and any three that's out there is pretty heavily juiced on Atlanta. I liked the Falcons. I don't know if I can do it at two and a half for the contest. Probably not. But I, I do agree with the line move here. And I think it's a line move that may surprise some people. So I read this uh, in, I think, in one of the newsletters, and I didn't query this. So, you know, don't shoot the messenger. But it was one of the more intriguing and it makes sense uh, trends that I've seen, and I guess it's more of a system. But during the past 11 seasons, and this makes sense, when two division teams play each other twice in three weeks, that's the case here. New Orleans and Atlanta playing twice in three weeks. The team that lost the first matchup is 19-4 and four against the spread in the rematch. Makes sense. They're two very, you know, com- not, not comparable teams, but are very well familiar with one another. And, and the team that failed to cover and lost the first games, 19 and four in the second, of the rematch when they're playing each other twice in three weeks. Makes sense to me. That's enough. To, when I read something like that, I, that's enough to just uh, to autoplay on something like that. Cause to me, it makes sense. It's one of those trends. You gotta be careful with trends, but this one makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it definitely makes a lot of sense. And, and also too, you know, I mean, again, the overreaction, the, the recency bias in the betting markets. And we try to prey on that as much as we can with regards to the NFL. And this does feel like one of those spots. Again, at two and a half, it's tough to take Atlanta. But I do agree with the line move here in this one. I know you've got some takes on Cleveland and Tennessee as well, which is game 465, 466. Just one spot down the board. Tennessee laying six here, total 53 and a half. Yeah, I just think it's it's too many, and I'm not a big Cleveland guy, I but uh, two very similar teams. What do they like to do? They like to run the football. You got Cleveland's number one in the NFL in rush offense. Tennessee's right behind them, I think, at number three, uh, just a few yards behind them. Cleveland actually defends the run a little bit better than Tennessee. So, I mean, in a line of scrimmage league, uh, a lot of times, I mean, 
Cleveland's better at the line of scrimmage. And Tennessee's been a good dog team, but as a favorite, they've been mediocre at best, two and five against the number there. To me, it's just a, also a pure power innings play. I, I mean, I make it closer to four. I mean, you're going to tell me I'm going to get six with two teams like to run the football that are built similarly. Uh, May, Baker Mayfield hasn't thrown a pick in those last four games. I probably just jinxed him. But, uh, I, yeah, that's – I, I, I'm not agreeing with the, with all the Tennessee love right here. I, I I I saw the Tennessee love last week, and everyone got rewarded for betting on Tennessee. It seemed like the very sharp play. I just I'm not seeing that similar uh, situation this week play out. Yeah, I like Cleveland a little bit here too. And we talked about this game on Tuesday with Brian Blessing in the sense that, look, I get it. Cleveland's been terrible against the number this year, but also you know I don't think they're a team you want to lay points with. I think they're a team you want to take points with. You know, because they can run the football. Baker has taken care of the football really since Odell Beckham's gone out. He's not forcing the ball to OBJ anymore. That's kind of helped him, I think, go through his progressions a little bit. And again, Kevin Stefanski continues to adapt with this offense. And I saw it in, you know, really in, in really week two. Didn't see too much in week one against Baltimore. Uh, that was not a great showcase for Baker. But in week two against Cincinnati, they started moving the pocket. They started getting Baker on the run. They got him to focus on half the field, let his wide receivers create separation, not force him to see over the offensive line. And really since then, Baker's been a lot better. He'll still make the bonehead throw every now and then. But for the most part, he's been a lot better. He's comfortable in this offense. They've got weapons with mismatches with guys trying to cover Hunt and Hooper and Bryant and all of that. I think Cleveland is is in a good spot here, plus six. I think this is the exact spot I want to take Cleveland for the reasons you mentioned. They are a, they are two similar football teams. Hard to get margin in that kind of environment. Yep. And I understand it. The Browns have played a shit schedule. Fine. Okay. So be it. They've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. Have they covered? No. But I think they've at least shown that they can be competitive in a game against a team that's going to be similar to them. And I'm getting six points to do it. I like Cleveland this week. They're one of my favorite NFL plays. That's good uh, hearing that. And yeah, the, 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 they're not covering point spreads, but this is the Cleveland Browns who, you know, struggle to win football games. At least they're winning games. That, that to me is the major step for them when, when for 20 years, they couldn't forget covering. I mean, they weren't even competitive in games. Uh, and now it was almost like uh, all, all of a sudden, you not only expect them to win these games, but you, they, they got to cover, you know, four and a half against Houston, seven and a half last week on the road against Jacksonville, laying points against Cincinnati. Uh, I just think that that was a little bit, you know, putting the cart before the horse for them. I think if you're a Cleveland fan and you're not at least betting their games consistently, I think you got to feel really good about what you've seen from the Browns. They are, are re- not getting enough na- national love, in my opinion, for being, Eight and three. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are eight and three. I mean, that that to me should, should be, uh, you know, one of the bigger stories in the NFL right now. And the one thing that does scare me, unfortunately, they get Miles, excuse me, Miles Garrett back this week because they're going to need that pass rush. But Denzel Ward and Rodney Harris and Ronnie Harrison are both out. So that hurts. That's concerning to me and why I do like the over in this game as well. I know it's a big number at 53 and a half. As long as the weather's okay, I do like the over a little bit in this one. But that is worrisome, but also they played in a massive state of flux in the back seven for most of the first half of the season. So it's not something that they're unaccustomed to. Uh, hopefully, last you know, they year, can find too. A way to cobble last together. year, they were banged up in, in the secondary. So it's it's something that, that they're, uh, you know, accustomed to for Cleveland. I agree with the over. I wanted to bet the over badly, but 54, man, I Big thought number. I'd get – 
I thought it'd be cheaper. Why? Because Cleveland had those three games that were so suppressed scoring because of weather. I bet that's why I liked the over last week, but I thought I could just roll with that a few weeks, but man, damn market smart. This isn't, uh, <laughs> this isn't the 1990s and early 2000s where you can take advantage of stuff like that for multiple weeks. No, I, I totally agree with that sentiment. What do you think about this Rams-Arizona game? Rams three, but you can lay three and take plus money pretty much across the board, total 48 and a half. Any thoughts on that one? Conflicted, uh, doing a little bit more leg work. You know, this I found this surprising. If you're just doing yards per game differential, you know the Rams are number one. Yards per game differential, not the 10, the now 11-0 Steelers, not the defending Super Bowl champ Kansas City Chiefs, the Rams, statistically speaking, number one yards per game differential. And, uh, you know, I, I was making reasons for the Rams here because I honestly wanted to bet the Cardinals. They have crushed the Cardinals the last three years. I mean, this has been a clear mismatch. 6-0 and straight up, 6-0 and against the spread. Something about Sean McVay, but, I mean, he has Arizona's numbers. So, to me, if I had to bet it, pizza bet Rams. I, I like the Rams here. I don't know if I'll take them as a contest play, but there are two things about this. The first is, you know, we saw them come back from an East Coast trip against Washington and look really flat on the road at San Francisco earlier on in the year. They come off Tampa Bay on a short week and again look flat against San Francisco. Now they play Arizona. They've got time to stay out on the West Coast. I know they got to travel for this game, but I don't think that's that big of a deal going from LA to, uh, you know, to the Glendale Phoenix area. Also, I don't think Arizona's that good. I do not think the Cardinals are that good of a football team. I think they have to have a big game from Kyler Murray for anything to work out. They should have lost four in a row, both straight up and against the number. They got that hail Mary to Hopkins in the Buffalo game. I just don't think Arizona is that good. I think teams have adjusted to them. I think McVay has adjusted to his own team. I, it's maybe a squarer side, and obviously there's been a little bit of a line move already, but I, I do like the Rams here in this one. And it depends. Maybe you can get a two-and-a-half one in the contest. I doubt yeah, it, but I hope so. maybe. How are you doing in that contest? Doing all right? Still uh, 33-26-1 in the Circa. Hey. So, uh, you know, I, I think I'm two points back of the money right now with, with where the cutoff is, but, you know, again, still, uh, what, five weeks left of NFL picks to make here, so hopefully can make a little bit of a push. As far as the rest of the NFL card goes here, Brad, before we finish up, any other games on your radar that you're taking a peek at? I'll say this. The Patriots-Chargers game is probably the biggest coaching mismatch of all time. <laughs> I mean, I can't – yeah, I would lean what, New what England. Is that, how many points is that worth? I, You know what? Maybe not enough. I mean, I would lean New England. They've just been so damn inconsistent. Statistically speaking, the Chargers are you know far superior to them, but, I mean, that's why you're dealing with a pick type spread. But I'd lean New England. I mean, it could be – Man, how much is it worth? Three? I mean, that, that's significant. Maybe is it worth three? I don't I know. I could, least, I could make yeah. a case that it's even worth more. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Lynn is just. Oh, it's the, unbelievably the dude's, bad. The dude's it's almost. I, I just. Oh God. I'm. I have been begging for years for MLB teams and MLB, obviously, very invested in sabermetrics. All these front offices are Ivy League dudes. All that kind of thing. They still don't have a game theory expert in the dugout. I would have an analytically savvy bench coach that knows all the game states and game situations and all of that to help these managers make decisions. I have no idea how in a game that's played once a week in a multi-billion dollar industry, you don't have somebody on the sideline to tell this coach what the 
I can't even say it. What to do in these my internet situations? Oh man! <laughs> yeah. I, how, I, how how do you not do that? And if the guy doesn't want to listen to the game theory expert, then he's not your damn head coach. Yeah. That final forty. I mean, Warren Sharp had it on Twitter. Forty-five seconds against the Bills last week. That. I mean, and you I had the Bills. Any worse? So I'm okay with it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you couldn't be any worse than that. I mean, I literally, I would be pulling my hair out if it was a high school coach doing that. I'm, I'm telling. I say it all the time. Some, some drunk high dude eating Doritos playing Madden knows better clock management than most of these head coaches. It, it's crazy. I just, I that was it was so it was a fire. I, I, I'm being honest here. This isn't a hot take. It was a fireable offense. Yes. How bad that was at the end of the game. And yeah. I get it. It wasn't going to win or nothing, but it was just so, I mean, you saw the exasperation among the announcers. I mean, they couldn't believe how bad it was. And, and imagine being a player and watching this all unfold. I was like running people on and off. I mean, it was, you, it could not be, I can't even think of it being worse than that. Other than not, you just deciding not to, to go out there and run a play. <laughs> Man, I just, I'll tell you what, I won't bet the Chargers at any point the rest of the way. No, I'm done. I'm done with them. I, I bet I them can't. a couple of weeks ago against the, the Dolphins, and that, that that came up short, and I said, you know what, I'm done. You can only fade. You only look to fade. Yeah. I mean, you just – I don't care what the number is. I don't care how many points I'm getting. And I know Justin Herbert's played well, and I give him a ton of credit for his development this year. And I even give the Chargers some some credit on the offensive coordinator side – for throwing more on early downs because they were very predictable, you know, really for the, uh, you know, previous years of, of Lynn's tenure and even early on in the year here, and they've made that adjustment, but it doesn't matter. I, I can't with how many NFL games come down, you know, come to a head in the fourth quarter nowadays. I am not being on that guy's side, period. No, I you can't, can't do it. You can't be. And, and here's the thing. If they just had average coaching, average coaching, they'd be a winning team. I think the chargers. And you'd be super pumped up about the future prospects of the team because you gotta like the roster, you gotta like the rookie quarterback. They need that's they have to make a change this year. They, they, they absolutely have to. But I mean, they got questionable ownership group there. They don't have a very passionate fan base. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. What about the Monday games? Uh, we don't really have a market wide number on Washington and Pittsburgh yet. We got a Monday night football doubleheader and also a Tuesday game that you know features Dallas and Baltimore, but. Anything on either of the Monday games you're kind of looking at? Yeah, I like San Francisco, although the market's kind of, you know, moved uh, with me, so meaning less value now in the 49ers. But statistically speaking, well, look, compare the two, even though the 49ers ha- have been, you know, uh, <laughs> banged up all year, yards per game, they're better than the, the Bills. Uh, scoring difference, uh, about the same. So uh, I think I like both coaches, but uh, to me, uh, I just think in a unique spot there, I, I like what I saw from the 49ers, a team that could have waved the white flag of the season. You said teams coming off a bye have struggled. 49ers look good last week coming off a bye. Uh, I, I like Shanahan, so I, I think they actually beat the Bills. I like Shanahan a lot, too. The The one caveat I would make, the point I would make on the other side for Buffalo is that they should get Matt Milano back this week. He's uh-huh. one of one of the best linebackers in in all of football. I think that's a guy actually. And we talk about what's he worth players, to a point spread. I think he's worth a full point to a point spread. I that's honestly truly believe that because he's the captain of the defense. He's a great linebacker in coverage, and he's the best run stopper they have. All of those things very important when you play San Francisco. So 
I think I would have to lean Buffalo here. I don't know if I'm going to play it, but it looks like you and I are on opposite sides of that game. Uh, dinner bet? Uh, sure, why not? How many you yeah, owe the me? Current now? number? Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'll, do you come come on here? I'll pay for your dinner. Regardless, I'll pay for your dinner. You're a guest, man. All right. So, so, so let's do this. I take Buffalo. If Buffalo right. covers, we go to Naked City Pizza. I get myself right. a beef on wax sandwich, which is a Buffalo staple. Okay. And then you can, I don't know, we can do rice or I think they're down at like one location out here. They, they close a bunch of their locations, COVID. I like uh, the one at El Cortez. I thought that was a nice yeah. little hidden gem downtown, but uh, they, they wound up closing that location. But Yeah, so yeah, the, your deal, buddy. All right, do yourself a favor. Go. I don't know if it's close to you at all, but get yourself one of those beef. I don't know if they have it at their remaining location. But the beef on wax sandwich from Naked City Pizza is very good. Beef on wax. Beef I don't wax. get out much, uh, and I'm way <laughs> not to disclose my location so somebody doesn't bang on my door and break my legs. But uh, I am away from the strip and the brouhaha of uh, Vegas, just put it that way. So it is a haul for me to get there. I know. The only time you go out is when I come to town. That was one of the only <laughs> three or four times I've been out since COVID started. So, and that, that's not a political statement. It's just, I'm antisocial. So this one, it hasn't affected me too much. I mean, the takeaway is I need to come out there more often. Absolutely. Oh, amen to that, man. You get me out and about you're, you're good for me being a little bit more social. Let's put it that way. I, 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 I shudder to think what I'm going to be like in 20 years. Yeah, me too. You're just going to be an angry old man talking about how the I'm already, I've been angry my whole life, man. How bad is it going to get? I don't know, but you know, what is pretty good. Your newsletter over at bradpowersports.com and you know, pretty easy to sign up for that as well. It is. So I talk about it each week. I haven't changed the price lately and I'm not going to change it for a few more weeks yet. So if you want to get in at this price point and get a few more weeks of information, both college pro, I write up every single college game, every single pro game, give you my picks. I know people love picks, but also my power rings, my computer projection uh, trends, you name it. It's all in there. We recap, you know, the, the, the prior week, we give you injury information, everything is in this weekly newsletter and it's 49 bucks through the Super Bowl. In fact, you'll get all the off season next year too. So all my summer win total bets for next season, you're going to get that. You'll be basically covered until football starts next season in 2021, 49 bucks. Go to bradpowersports.com. And as always, make sure you follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. Brad, appreciate your time as always, buddy. Thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to talking about the dinner bet I want on next week's show. Sounds good, buddy. Always a pleasure talking to you. There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Coming up on Friday, I'll finish out the week with my week 13 Circus Sports Million picks. Talked a little bit about some of the NFL sides I like already here on today's show, but I'll give you some more detail on tomorrow's edition of the show. Once again, my ATS.io-2 entry, 33-26-1 on the season here so far. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.